kofi jana vallava kirivaradhari kofi jana vallava kirivaradhari Shodanandana Prajajana Ranjana Shodanandana Prajajana Ranjana Shodanandana Prajajana Ranjana Yamuna Tira Vanachari Jamuna Tira Panachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjavihari Radha Madhava Kunjavihari Gopi Jana Vallava Kirivaradhari Gopi Jana Vallava Girivaradhari Yashodanandana Vajajana Ranjana Yashodanandana Vajajana Ranjana Jamuna Tira Vanachari Jamuna Tira Vanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjavihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjavihari Jaya Om Vishnupad Paramahansa Parivrajaka Charya Stoutara Satasi Simadisi Bhakti Vedanta Saman Prabhupada Ki Jaya Iskand Pandra Acharya Sila Prabhupada Ki Jaya Jayam Vishnupad Paramahansa Parivrajaka Charya Stoutara Satasi Simad Bhakti Zirat Saraswati Thakur Ki Jaya Anantakauti Vaishnava Vrinda Ki Jaya Nama Charya Sila Haridash Thakur Ki Jaya 
प्रेम से कह श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य नित्यानंद दैत राधा कृष्ण गौ गोपीनाथ श्याम कुंड राधा कुंड गिर गोवर्धन की जाय वृंदावन धाम की जाय मायापुर धाम की जाय जगन्नाथ स्वामी की जाय गंगा मई की जाय जमुना मई की जाय तुलसी देवी की जाय भक्ति देवी की जाय समवेत भक्तवृंद की जाय All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. Gaur Premanandi Hari Hari Bo. So, Srila Prabhupada's Srimad Bhagavatam. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Yesham Vibharmi Aham Akhanda Vikunta Yoga Maya Amala Angri Raja Kiritai Viprang to Kona Vishahita Yad Arhana Amva Sadhya Punati Saha Chandra Lalama Lokan Jesham Vibharmya Hamakanda Vikunta Yoga ये शाम विभार्म्य हम खंद विकुंत योगा माया विभूति रमलांग्रीर जक्कीरीताय माया विभूति रमलांग्रीर जक्कीरीताय Viprangs to Kona Vishaheta Jadarhanamva Viprangs to Kona Vishaheta Jadarhanamva Sadhyak Punati Sahachandra Lamalokan 
सद्यक्तुनाति सह Maya vibhuti ramalangri rajakiri tai. Maya vibhuti ramalangri rajakiri tai. We prongs to Kona visa heat the Jarar Hanam Vak. We prongs to Sadhyak punati saha chandala lama lokan.
questions. So, Prabhupada's translation for this verse, Yesham, means of the Brahmanas, Bibharmi, Ivera, Aham, I, Akanda, unbroken, Vikunta, unobstructed, Yoga Maya, internal energy, Vibhuti, opulence, Amala, pure, angry of the feet, Rajak, the dust, Kiri, Taihi on my helmet, Vipran, the Brahmanas, two, then, Kahahu, Na, Nat, Vishaheta, Keri, Jat, of the Supreme Lord Arhana Amva, water which has washed the feet, Sadyak, at once. Punati uh, sanctifies Saha along with Chandra Lalama, Lord Shiva, Lokam, the three worlds. The translation Krishna speaking I am the master of my unobstructed internal energy, and the water of the Ganges is the remnant left after my feet are washed. That water sanctifies the three worlds along with Lord Shiva who bears it on his head. If I can take the dust of the feet of the Vaishnavas on my head, who will refuse to do the same? So Prabhupada's purport. The difference, the difference between the internal and external energies of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is that in the internal energy or in the spiritual world, all the opulences are undisturbed, whereas in the external or material energy, <coughs> all the opulences are temporary manifestations. The Lord's supremacy is equal in both the spiritual and material worlds, but the spiritual world is called the kingdom of God, and the material world is called the kingdom of Maya. Maya refers to that which is not actually fact. <clears throat> the opulence of the material world is a reflection. It is stated in Bhagavad Gita that this material world is just like a tree whose roots are up and branches down. This means that the material world is the shadow of the spiritual world. Real opulence is in the spiritual world. In the spiritual world, the predominating deity is the Lord himself, whereas in the material world, there are many lords. That is a difference between the internal and external energies. The Lord says that although he is the predominating factor of the internal energy, and although the material world is sanctified just by the water that has washed his feet, he has the greatest respect for the Brahmins and the Vaishnava. When the Lord himself offers so much respect to the Vaishnav and the Brahmana, how can one deny such respect to such personalities?
Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Sunyavari Paschatya Desha Tarine. So, Jeshami Bharmya Hamakanda Vikunta Yoga Mayavi Bhutiramalangira Jakiri Thai Viprangs to Kona Visaheta Janarhanamba Sadyak Punati Sahachandra Lalama Lokan. So, there's an interesting question that one can raise regarding this verse. Here we have a Bhagavatam verse, of which there are many, glorifying the Vaishnavas, glorifying the Brahmins. And of course, the Bhagavatam is the prime instrument, the prime means of teaching human society. So, just like, for example, uh, here we have a community, so we chant Hare Krishna, but we also have to eat prasadam, we have to drink water, we have to take rest, there's different material necessities we have. In the same way, <clears throat> just as the individual has certain bodily necessities which must be satisfied either within or without, inside or outside of the devotional service of the Lord, uh, one has to satisfy certain bodily necessities, so in society also, uh, there are certain social necessities. Uh, there ha there's governance, and uh, there are all kinds of relationships. There's a production of necessary products and services, and so on and so forth. So, in, in fact, the so what Prabhupada's talking about here, for he draws a contrast, which is, of course, important to keep in mind between the material and spiritual worlds. At the same time, as we know in, Pro, in the Isopanishad, we find the verse vidyang cha vidyang, vidyang cha vidyang cha jastad vedo vayang saha, avidyaya mrityum tirtva, vidyayamrita which means that one who knows both, literally knowledge and unknowledge, or science and ni-science, uh, nescience. Vidya and Avidya. Now, in the Upanishads or in the Vedas, uh, Avidya, literally unknowledge or ni science or ignorance and so on, comes to mean uh, the material world. So you can see the, uh, that, that the opinion of it. The whole material world is often referred to in the Upanishads as Avidya, literally just ignorance. And so, still, it is said that one should know both. One should know both. And, and it is said even that by unknowledge or by ignorance, by knee science, not science, by, by nescience, one crosses over death, mrityung tirtva, and vidyaya, by knowledge, meaning spiritual knowledge, amrita mashnute, one enjoys the immortal, literally, or nectar. So, Our philosophy, of course, is Veda-Veda. Not our philosophy. Reality is Veda-Veda. That uh, there's, there's simultaneously a oneness of all things and there's simultaneously variety and difference, which is undeniable. For example, this is one room. But in this one room, there are innumerable different objects. There are different people, different colors, different every, 
you have one body, but your one body has different limbs, different organs, different cells. There's one cell, but the cell has different parts. And so you can find this everywhere. For example, this is one class, but in this one class there are many words. And the words are grammatically different parts of speech. There's different sentences. There's an implicit punctuation, what I'm saying, commas and periods and so on. And so practically, if you study the nature of anything, whether it's uh, physical reality, verbal reality, conceptual reality, visual reality, if you study any aspect of reality, any, any aspect of that which actually exists, you'll find that there's oneness and there's also difference. And the same relationship holds between the material and spiritual world. Ultimately, it is said, Vasudeva Sarvamiti, the ultimate unifying principle is Krishna himself. Everything conceptually can ultimately be reduced to one fact, which is Krishna. But of course, within that one fact, which is Krishna, there's infinite variety. There's an, a verse that Prophet often quoted in the Upanishads is, Parasya Shaktir Vividhaiva Shuyate which is sometimes translated, the Lord has multifarious potencies. But what it literally says is, para asya shaktir, vividha eva shuyate. Shuyate means it is heard. But since shuti means the Vedas, this is sort of like a Vedic jargon. When we say something is heard, it means it's found in the Vedas. It's authorized knowledge. Shuyate, literally it is heard. Just like often you, you find the word smaryate, it is remembered, or smritam, uh, it, it is remembered, which means it is found in the smriti shastra, or, or it is found in bona fide Vedic tradition. So anyway, shuyate, it is heard, meaning it is Vedic, it is, it is author, authoritative, that uh, asya of him, in this context of the Lord, there is a parashakti, there is a superior energy, or a spiritual energy, Vividhaeva, which is invariably variegated, multifarious. Vividha. But there's one energy. Prabhupada talks about this, by the way, you'll find a discussion of this philosophical point in the Bhagavatam, first canto, third chapter. I believe in the verse, Sadasad Rupe, Jatreme, Sadasad Rupe, and so on, where Prabhupada explains that actually there is one potency of the Lord. There's one. Para Asya Shakti, it is simply God's will. Krishna is called Satya Sankalpa. Satya Sankalpa. Sankalpa means uh, resolve or determination or decision, desire. And Satya means truth. So whatever Krishna resolves, whatever Krishna wills, resolve in a sense means will. So Krishna's will is reality. If Krishna wills something to be the case, it is the case. And so therefore... Uh, in a sense, one can think of Krishna's power simply as his will. So Krishna, there's one God, and that one God has his supreme will, and that supreme will manifests in the form of real objects, which are in various categories, and that's what the Upanishads say. So anyway, uh, I'm bringing all this up because I just wanted to have a little ontological preface to this discussion, discussion of this verse, that uh, here we are in the material world, and yet the whole mission of this movement is to transform the material world into the spiritual world. I was thinking that uh, New Dwarka is a uniquely spiritual place, actually, certainly in this country, because probably in all of America, which Prabhupada said was the most important country for preaching, Prabhupada, I'm sure, spent more time here than any other place. So uh, 
So, the, so Nudwarka is a prime example of material energy being spiritualized. Now, coming to this verse, because actually I am going to talk about the verse, in case you were wondering. Is this going to be a class where they don't talk about the verse or where they do talk about the verse? So, the reason I brought all this up is because in this verse, it is, Krishna is giving very, making very powerful statements about the etiquette which one must observe in relation to, here it is it literally said, Vipra, learned Brahman, Vaishnava. After all, the definition of Brahmana is Brahma Janatiti Brahmana. Literally, it, it literally means, quote unquote, he knows, or he or she knows Brahman. Uh, that's the Brahman. That's the Brahman. That's the definition. So, and Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, or Arjuna says to Krishna, Parang Brahma, Parang, you are the Supreme Brahman. So the, the Supreme Brahman is one who knows the Supreme Brahman. In fact, the word Brahman comes from the word Brahman. And the word Brahman comes from a Sanskrit root, which is probably, well, it's almost unpronounceable for Western people, but it's B, vowel R, H, Burk for something. Almost like when people are cold and say burr or something, but with a guttural sound. Anyway, burr. Now, it's from this same root, of course, that we get the word, a word you all know, brihat, as in brihat mridanga. So, brihat, the great mridanga. So, bri, this verb root means to grow, to become great, to become great. And so, and so therefore, brahma, as Prabhupada said, means the greatest. That's, how it, that's why it means the greatest. So, it's like you think of brihat mridanga, the great mridanga. So from this word Brahma is the word Brahmana, which is derived from Brahman. So in other words, one who has an intimate connection with Brahman is a Brahmana. That's grammatically even what to speak of philosophically. So since we know from the Bhagavad Gita and other Vedic literature that Krishna is the Parang Brahma, the Supreme Brahman, the Supreme Brahmana is the Vaishnava. So this is not simply uh, our version of things. It's, it follows, actually, logically. Anyway, so my question is, Amarendra. Amarendra came in at this point to answer the question. We rehearsed this before. He dramatically comes in just when I raise the question. So, given our ontology, which just means the philosophy of being, of existence, in other words, there's different branches of philosophy, ethics, or... Uh, epistemology, how do you know you know, how do you know you know you know, and so on. And, and then there's ontology, which just means what really ultimately exists, and how does it exist, how many things exist, what things can be reduced to other things, but what things are irreducible. By the way, there is a common Sanskrit word, which you all know, which really means an ontological truth. In other words, satya. Satya in Sanskrit means true in the sense of tell the truth. In other words, the opposite of a lie is, is satyam, the truth. On the other hand, if you mean an ontological truth, in other words, you're talking about one of the irreducible real things that exist, then, of course, the word is tattva. And that's why the word is used, for example, in Vishnu tattva or jiva tattva. Because, so literally in Sanskrit, Vishnu tattva means Vishnu as an irreducible, fundamental, real thing. Or jiva tattva. So, uh, anyway, that's 
So given this state of affairs, given the fact that things are one and different, that therefore the material world is also Krishna's energy, given the fact that we are to spiritualize this energy, and therefore we can't simply go away into some type of uh, fairy tale spiritual world, we have to be in this world, we have to be grounded, we have to do real practical things for Prabhupada, we have to be productive just as Prabhupada was, and yet be Krishna conscious and do everything for Krishna. Given all that, and all the practical necessities and, and just the way this world is, how do you actually carry out this instruction? In other words, when we have that Krishna's giving, in the real world, for example, there's hierarchy. And hierarchy is natural. For example, there's a natural hierarchy between parents and children. When parents have children, the children are intellectually and physically and in every way inferior to the parents. Perhaps not spiritually, but materially. And uh, the children have to follow the parents. If the parents are, let's say, let's talk about civilized parents, then the children have to follow the parents. There's a hierarchy. The parents have to follow the government. There's another hierarchy. And so on and so forth. You can find this in, in the, the animal kingdom, in the plant kingdom, everywhere. You can't point to any uh, realm or any aspect of the world where there's not hierarchy. So again, there's difference. Things are one and different. But one of the differences is differences of status, differences of power, differences of position. That's one of the differences, despite the oneness. So therefore, uh, practically, how do we carry out this instruction? How do we create a society? Because we are in the process of constructing the, the society the Prophet wanted. I mean, our society is certainly registered, and it's going on. It's a real society. And yet, as we know, what we aspire to have is a society of pure Vaishnavas, a society that, has all that offers all kinds of cultural and social services and so on. So how does one go about organizing, constructing a society, a pure Vaishnav society, in which there is hierarchy, there are so many practical needs, and yet at the same time we follow this instruction of Krishna, as Prabhupada says, and as Krishna says, we take, we take the dust of the Vaishnavas on our head, we offer them all respects. So this is one of the points which is one and different. One and different, because on, on, the, on the one hand, we certainly have to offer all respect to all Vaishnavas. At the same time, even among the Vaishnavas, there will be hierarchy. And so this, this really is, if you think about it, the art of all work. How we can construct a society which has the highest standard of etiquette, the highest standard of culture, and mutual respect, and yet at the same time uh, puts in, in place, firmly in place, necessary hierarchies. So this is certainly a challenge. It's certainly a challenge to us. There's a very nice Prabhupada story which uh, Giriraj Maharaj shared with me. He may have also shared it with you. It was toward the end of Prabhupada's manifest pastimes in this world. Prabhupada was, of course, very ill, and he was in Vrindavan. And in the middle of the night, Prabhupada's servant suddenly woke up Giriraj. Let me make sure I'm, on t I'm still on time. Okay, I'll, after the story, I'll take questions. End on time. So, Prabhupada's servant came and woke up Giriraj in the middle of the night. So, of course, he went running to Prabhupada's room, and he... He sat there. I think it was, it was dark, and maybe there might have been a candle or whatever. So Giriraj sat there in the corner, and, he, and Prabhupada didn't speak. He was simply sitting there wondering, why did Prabhupada call me in the middle of the night? And so after some time, 
of sitting there, Prabhupada finally spoke and he Prabhupada gathered his, his physical energy and, and asked him, uh, do you think this movement will go on when I'm gone? And uh, Giriraj was quite startled by this question. And he, he sort of gave the, uh, the standard answer that you think you're supposed to give, which is, well, Prabhupada, if we chant Hare Krishna sincerely and follow the principles, it will go on. But Prabhupada indicated this answer was, was necessary but not sufficient. And then he said also, how did he put it, um, intelligence and organization are required. Intelligence and organization. So it's an interesting point because on the one hand we know everything comes from chanting Hare Krishna. But if one is, I think the point here is, that if one is chanting Hare Krishna sincerely, and if one is not just an extraordinary avaduta type personality, if one is chanting Hare Krishna sincerely, it will become apparent to us that everyone else is spirit soul, that there is a crying need, literally, to preach Krishna consciousness, and that to do so, certain practical steps have to be taken. And so if one chants Hare Krishna effectively and receives the mercy of Krishna, one will be enlightened and blessed with this awareness of the need to take pure but very practical, intelligent steps to spread Krishna consciousness all over the world. So, anyway, uh, I think I'll stop here. Are there any questions on these points? Takers? Yes. Yeah, what's what's the remedy to bring it? I think that, uh, first of all, as far as a remedy, uh, I'm very optimistic ultimately. Some, sometimes it doesn't, may not seem that way, but actually I am very optimistic about ISKCON and uh, I think we're progressing. If, if you look at things from a historical perspective, it's like if you plant a seed and then the plant starts growing, uh, you may wish that the plant was already a, a huge fruit-bearing tree, but but everything takes its time. And so there's a natural process in which human societies grow, and that's what's happening in ISKCON. And we find that there is greater and greater maturity. There are more and more devotees who are, uh, who are mastering the principle of yukta vairagya. I mean, the fact that Anutama is here right now is, very, is certainly a very positive sign of, of someone doing something right. And uh, so, of, of course, ultimately it comes down to spiritual purity, but uh, yeah.
Anyway, I guess I'll, I'll say on that topic. Yes, McCunlow. Although he did say we should study them to see how they organize things. I mean, I don't think he wanted a pope, but, uh, but Prabhupada. I mean, there are, there are some organizational aspects of other religions which are sheerly, sheer, no, I just made up an English word, which are purely common sense. I mean, in religious organizations or commercial organizations or political or social organizations all over the world, you'll find they have regions and zones, and in regions they tend to have someone in charge, and they have someone in this department, that. So some things are... For example, we're speaking English right now. And so whether we're speaking about Krishna or whether we're speaking about something else, it's the same grammar. The structure of English, the grammatical structure of English doesn't change, you know, if you're talking about Krishna or something else. In the same way, we now know that, as Prabhupada told us many years ago, we can't imitate Raghunath Das Goswami's diet, you know, the ultimate diet, eating a few grains of rice. We can't imitate Prahlad Maharaj you know, eating poison. So there are certain laws of nutrition which govern the body. And whether you're, of course, prasadam is spiritual. Of course, it bestows spiritual benefit. But we find the devotees who, I remember told me at one time, Prabhupada told him many so-called big devotees have fallen down in the name of Mahaprasadam. So if, if we eat in certain unhealthy ways, we will get unhealthy results. And our senses, our senses may become agitated. One time Jai Swami years ago wrote a letter to Prabhupada saying, you know, how do you overcome uh, agitation of the senses? Prabhupada said, don't eat at night and don't eat spicy prasadam. So we can see clearly in many of Prabhupada's instructions that the, I don't want to say the material aspect of prasadam, but whatever you want to call it, the external aspect of it, you know, how many calories it has and how much sugar and spice and everything nice it has in it, it does affect us. And how much we eat affects us. Prabhupada said, you know, if your stomach's too full, it presses on something it shouldn't press on. So, so therefore, based on that, I would say whether you're a devotee or not, there are certain objective rules governing nutrition, governing the health of the body. What Anuttama is going to present to us, I mean, we can call it Vedic public relations or Vedic media relations, but it's really just intelligent. It's really just objective. So if Veda means knowledge, then it's Vedic because it's based on knowledge. It's just objective. In the same way, uh, in terms of organizing a society, there are certain objective principles. There are certain objective principles which govern the success or failure of human organizations, of communities and societies. And if we know about those things, it will benefit us. So, uh, we have one or two minutes. Yes. 
Talk a little bit about book distribution. Well, was Prophet ever asked that in the, in the class? I don't know. Talk a little bit about book distribution. Well, for one thing, I, I, I'll, I'll say this. I'll make one point. That uh, we should, and I'm certainly not the first to say this. I mean, many, many, many devotees have said this probably more, more eloquently than me. But we also have to focus on the relationship between the, uh, the, the character of the book distributor and the attitude of the recipient toward the book. Because in a sense, people's relationship with Prabhupada's books begins before they ever have it in their hands. It begins as soon as they become aware that you exist. And how you, just how you approach them and just your character, your, just who you are and what you are is the beginning of their relationship with Prabhupada's books. And the book distributor has to be an example of what's in the books. So if there's, in other words, the book is the Bhagavata and it's, you know, various forms, this book or that book, but it's, it's all Bhagavata. It's all in a sense. And so the book distributor has to be a person Bhagavata. So, so if the distributor and the product are non-different, that's a very powerful impression. Prabhupada also said in Los Angeles in May 1972 in the old temple room, he was actually sort of making fun of his, some of his disciples who were distributing books and didn't read them. And he said, so when you approach people, if they ask you, do you read these books that you want me to read? You can say, no, 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 I don't read them. I just sell them. So, so we should be inspired. The distributor should be non-different from the book. Then it's science. That, that's a general point. If, if this movement, if we individually and if ISKCON as a society demonstrates what's in the books, then it's a science. It can't be that, well, you know, shucks, we're no big thing, but uh, 5,000 years ago there were some really great people on this earth. And even 500 years ago, or even, you know, Prabhupada was here, but to be a science, it has to be something which is demonstrable. And so we ourselves, we ourselves are the evidence. And Prabhupada, Prabhupada gave us to the world as evidence. He used to always say, my disciples are bright-faced, etc., etc. My disciples are following these principles. So Prabhupada, Prabhupada recognized, in a sense, the obvious, that we ourselves are the evidence for or against his teachings in people's minds. So we should become aware of ourselves. Our lives are ultimately the evidence upon which people will evaluate Lord Chaitanya's message. Our lives, how we deal with each other, how we act as husbands, as wives, as parents, as gurus, as teachers, as disciples, as administrators, as cooks. I mean, how we act, how we behave, our state of consciousness ultimately Will, is the evidence upon which the world will judge Lord Chaitanya's mission. So I'll stop there. Sita Prabhupada Ki Jai.